What's going on? Welcome to Illegal Contact, the Clemson-based podcast. We're, this week, we've got a lot of sports to talk about. We're, it's our last recording going into the new year. We want to wish you all a happy new year. And we've enjoyed the couple first couple episodes we've made, and hopefully we keep on making them through the rest of the next year. Yeah, man. So 2020 has been a rough year for everybody, um, but, but hopefully we can see bright uh, new beginnings in 2021. Hopefully a bright new start for this podcast as well, getting rolling into our third episode here. Got a lot of sports to talk about today, as Colin said, um, and, and I believe our first one we want to mention is the craziness that happened in the Coastal Carolina game a few days ago, right before our last recording, before our last episode dropped. So, Colin, what did you think of that game? Well, it was definitely a crazy game, to say the least. It fits the bill for kind of how Coastal's played all year, close games all the way down to the end, and it's just been fun football to watch from this Coastal team this year, and even though they lost, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunate into the year for Coastal Carolina. Um, they cannot be disappointing themselves, though. 11-1, and what a great year for that program. Of course, everybody wanted them to go 12-0, and um, being America's team. But, but then again, we did see Liberty had a good game plan going in, and I did not anticipate them beating them. Um, I do still think that Coastal was deserving of a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, obviously, I can't be um, forcing that now that they lost, but, but the, the body of work before that definitely proved that they deserved one. Um, but this game, of course, Unfortunate loss, but the fact that they were able to take it to overtime and Liberty's lack of game planning there at the end was was really fun to watch. Yeah, this Coastal team this year, what a statement season for these seniors. A lot of guys who, before coming into this season, there were a few that had NFL, NFL hopes and a chance at the NFL. And now, because of this season, they are, there are a lot more players on that roster that are looking at a future in the NFL because of just a phenomenal season. Also want to mention Coastal's head coach, winning coach of the year by the AP poll. Well-deserved, coached a great team. You can't discredit them for just because they're a group of five. I mean, scheduling BYU, playing them four days later, Mm -hmm. just a phenomenal, phenomenal season by Coastal. No, you're completely right, completely right. I did also see that uh, Cincinnati's head coach um, finished third in that voting as well, so where the group of five was discredited in the playoff rankings and, and their bowl selections, their coaches were obviously recognized for the great seasons that both of those teams had. It's unfortunate that Coastal was un- unable to finish out undefeated. Yeah, that is a shame. But I want to bring us to the next topic. You know, we've had this crazy saga of James Harden, <laughs> and it's really just the cousin of the James Harden saga and Dwayne Haskins getting released from the Redskins this week coming to light a few days before he gets released he was visiting a strip club without a mask on same exact theme as same exact thing as James Harden what an idiot how dumb can you be I thought Cardell Jones might be the stupidest quarterback who went to Ohio State but I think Dwayne Haskins might top it I mean Cardell Jones just didn't want to go to class Dwayne Haskins shows up at the strip club as an NFL player during these times without a mask, and he says, he alleges that he did this accidentally, Colin. But, Colin, tell me how this wasn't accidental. How do you accidentally walk into a strip club? Do you, do you just ride in the car with your eyes closed and walk up until, holding your arms out until you find a door and open the door and open your eyes and be like, oh, I'm in a strip club. How did I get here? Nobody's buying that load of crap. I mean, how stupid do you think people are? I think I think the best, even more, f- furthermore than that, Colin, the strippers, 
pictures have surfaced of the strippers wearing Dwayne Haskins jerseys. That should be <laughs> all you need to know to tell you this is not an accident because no one is wearing a Dwayne Haskins jersey. Maybe the only thing wearing a Dwayne Haskins jersey besides these strippers is Redskins garbage cans because they're recycling the $100 that they wasted on a Dwayne Haskins jersey. So you're saying you're saying the Dwayne Haskins fan base is not not expansive. Is that what I'm getting at here? No, not at all. Just unreal. Unbelievable. I can't I can't believe this is still happening, especially with COVID cases rising again. What is wrong with you, Dwayne Haskins? You got cut. You for good, for good reason. It. I mean, he sucks at football too, but th- this just put, I mean, this was the nail in the coffin. So I don't think, I think he deserved what came his way. Um, and, and that's, that's all we really have to say about that. But Colin, did you see what happened yesterday at the awesome Duke's Mayo Bowl? More tomfoolery. Just hilarious. It couldn't, couldn't have been cherry on top any other way than at the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl. Wisconsin winning and breaking the trophy in the locker room. Graham Mercer, that the QB of Wisconsin breaking the trophy, dance, doing his little dancey dance, dancing around the locker room, man. He he had a time with it, surfaced all over Instagram. A million pieces, a million pieces that trophy was shattered into. No hate here. I mean, that's just hilarious. He came back later, found a jar of mayonnaise and taped it to the <laughs> to the trophy base. I think that's what the trophy should have been the entire time. I think it was better fitting. But yeah, why was it ever glass? It's the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Come it on. was a very beautiful trophy, and you hate to see it broken, but that is hilarious. That is true. I laughed for a good 30 minutes over that. Just a great way to end the Duke's Mayo First ever Duke's Mayo Did you see like Duke's, Duke's May, uh, the Duke's Mayo Bowl Twitter? It's official Twitter changed their profile picture to a picture of the uh, new trophy. <laughs> no, I didn't, but that's funny. That's <laughs> they, yeah, they were having a good time on Twitter there, too. So that was, that was a good one. That was a good one. But I, I know we want to talk about a lot of uh, college football, especially with the playoffs coming up here. Clemson football, we'll get to it. But I think we cannot uh, forget to mention the – the surging and promising-looking Clemson Tigers basketball team, Colin. What are you we, thinking? We cannot fail to talk about that. I mean, huge win against number 18, Florida State, at home in Death Valley. Second year we've done it. Just much-needed win for this team after struggling against Virginia Tech and falling on the road. Beat Florida State by 10, so a commanding win at that. Yeah, Colin, when I was watching this game, to be honest, in the first half, I – I, I thought we were going to lose by a hefty number. I'm used to growing up watching Clemson basketball. I'm used to watching them, you know, lose momentum over the uh, over the course of a game uh, and and kind of falter under the pressure and not be able to close out these games. But but it seemed like in this game when when we came out for the second half, we found our shooting touch. We were able to draw some fouls, lengthen the game, and do what we wanted to do defensively to shut uh, Florida State down, force a lot of turnovers. And really built some momentum and actually capitalize off of those those turnovers that we were able to force. It's definitely a breath of fresh air to see a team come from a Clemson basketball team come from down at halftime and win in a in a really good game. You know, one thing I think we still need to work on. We struggled against Virginia Tech the entire game with our shooting. We struggled in the first half against Florida State in back-to-back games. Luckily, we got it together and came out, scrapped out this win, but that we've got to work on our shooting. No, you, you couldn't be any more right there. We, I believe I believe we still have somewhere around five to seven points at the 15-minute mark of the first half. we got to find a way to get off to hotter starts. 
our defense was able to keep us in the game at that point of the game. But if Florida State got off to a hotter start than they did, um, I think this would have been a runaway in the other in the other uh, direction. Yeah, that's very true. But at the end of the day, it's still a win. Oh yeah, of course. Excited to see this Clemson basketball team keep charging on. We're in the heat of our ACC schedule. Moving into it, yes sir. Moving right along into it. We're sitting seventh in the ACC seventh now. In the ACC. Six and one. Is We're getting one? ready to go seven and one, one and one in the ACC. We're getting ready to go on the road to Miami on the second. And then we've got a tough lineup of NC State, UNC, Syracuse, and Virginia, followed by Georgia Tech, which is a team that people have been talking about. This is their year to really turn some heads. Yep. And, you know, it's going to be fun to watch and see what happens after Georgia Tech. We play Florida State again. And it's just a tough ACC schedule we have this year. A long stretch of hard games. We mentioned in our first episode that that will be done. Hopefully when John Swafford leaves, hopefully we'll be able to find a little bit of an easier path to the ACC uh, in basketball. But it kind of reminds me of that SEC gauntlet that people talk about in football all the time. This is what it feels like, I assume. you got all these tough teams. But, Colin, I saw an ESPN reporter listed us as the second seed projection in the West bracket of the NCAA tournament. Hopefully we have that this year, unlike last year. Um, but but I, I, I would be ecstatic if Clemson found themselves as the second seed of an NCAA tournament bracket. Has that ever been done before? I don't think so. Not in our lifetime. Not that I've ever seen. But, you know, I am very excited to watch this basketball season unfold. Hopefully COVID doesn't rear its ugly head again and shut things down. Hopefully we can move along safely and get it to at least have a tournament with or without fans, I at least want to have a tournament this year. I know all spring sport athletes out there are hoping to have their seasons because all the spring sport athletes lost the majority of their seasons, if not all of their seasons, for their respective sport. Yeah, Colin, you're right. Big things coming for this Clemson basketball team. Hopefully we can rack up some wins and move it into tournament play uh, and see some positives coming in the, in the years coming. Um, but we threw up some Instagram polls yesterday in, in hopes of receiving a good response. And we actually did receive a good response. We talked about what we think is going to happen for the playoffs. I know we're going to move into that later, but we also, we also threw up Instagram polls about the first pick of the NFL for Trevor Lawrence. And we wanted to talk a, bit, a little bit about the Heisman. So Colin, what do we see in the first pick combo? So the poll we put out was, who do you think has the better framework? Where's the better landing spot for Trevor? Is it the Jets? Is it the Jaguars? We got a resounding response. 88% was in favor, saying the Jaguars have the better framework, the better foundation. And I've got to say, I, I agree with them. We talked about this last episode. I'm 100%. I'm in that 88%. All on board for that. I think the Jaguars are just – they haven't been the best for a while. They haven't been very good for a while. But I think they have a more sound framework. You don't see a lot of controversy coming out of Jacksonville that is true. like you're seeing out of the Jets right now. You know, I wasn't as mad as many other people were that, that it appeared Trevor was going to be going to the Jets for a long time there. I thought that they have pieces in place. They just needed a new coach. But when Sam Darnold came back off of injury and they got a couple of these wins, I don't think they need Trevor Lawrence as bad as other people think they do. I think they just need a new coach. Adam Gates has got to go. Um, I think that'll happen here in, in the near future. But I, I do agree. I think the Jags have a great framework. I think they have a couple good wide receivers. James Robinson's having a standout year at running back, good rookie there. 
I think their offensive line is decent. And I think one of the best parts about him going to the Jags is we're going to get to see him play Deshaun Watson two times a year in the AFC South. That is very true. That's going to be something fun to watch. Um, but you mentioned earlier you thought the problem in New York was the coach and not Sam Darnold. So it brings the question, what are they doing with that number two pick? Are they going to take a quarterback? Are they taking Justin Fields? Or are they going to use it for something else? See, that's a tough one. I, the Jets need a lot. Um, I think I think they're building in the right direction. You can't draft a coach, unfortunately. Um, and I don't think they're going to get one of the top eight coaches out of college here. I, I don't I don't see any potential landing uh, landing spots for a quarterback there. To be honest, I don't think they take Justin Fields. I would assume maybe they, they're not going to go after a running back early either. I'm assuming they're going to look offensive line-wise. Defense is a good player there. See, I got to disagree with you there. If I'm the Jets, Sam Darnold, yeah, he's been, our, he's been good. He's been all right. But it's not going to hurt to take a quarterback, whether it's Justin Fields or the field of quarterbacks that are still left, Put a little competition in that quarterback room. Make it make it do or die. If you don't perform, you lose your starting job, and you're out the door. It's a Jets organization that hasn't been good, and no one knows how long. So it really doesn't matter at this point what you do with the draft pick. It's not going to be an instant change, instant turnaround. I think you put some pressure in that quarterback room. Make those two young guys grow up become leaders that the Jets need because that's what they need as a leader in that organization because they're clearly lacking it. Adam Gase isn't going to do it. And I, so I'm in favor of the Jets taking the quarterback. You should probably take Justin Fields. He shows a lot of promise. There's a lot of argument there, though. So I think they, they do take a quarterback with that number two pick. One, one thing I want to mention really quick is I've seen some pundits, some media pundits, mentioned that they think Justin Fields is staying another year because he's had a little bit of a down year, um, hasn't been his greatest year, but I think this playoffs will, will speak to a lot of what he needs to do in, in the coming future. But one thing I want to mention out of that division as well, I think you make a good point with, with, with putting some pressure on Sam Darnold. The Bills, I mean, they won the division for the, this year for the first time in 25 years, and they did that by getting rid of Tyrod Taylor, who wasn't ever bad. He just wasn't ever going to get them there. And they, they bring in Josh Allen make a couple of trades, get Stephon Diggs in there, and they really run the division now. And they, they got a good team, built a great framework. And I think, you know, you make a good point. If you bring in Justin Fields, put some pressure there, and, and you bring in some of these guys that could help piece together a team that could compete in that division, especially with the Patriots being down. Look at what Clemson has right now. Our quarterback room is full. Our running back room is yeah, full. You always a little competition has never hurt anybody, especially when you get to the NFL and guys will sit back and think, oh, I've made it. Nope. It's showtime. I was number. I was a first round draft pick, number one overall pick. I can just rest on my laurels and play the game I've always played. You always need that slight bit of pressure to just keep your competitive edge sharp. Now, one thing I know we want to move into this Heisman combo that we threw up a poll for as well. But one thing I do want to mention: Colin here is a beloved Packers fan. I don't know if you all know that yet, but Colin is a, a big Packers fan, and, and I wanted to mention that. Similar to the Heisman, I think his buddy Aaron Rodgers should be the MVP. He moved in front of him. Please don't put that. He moved in front of Patrick Mahomes in the odds making. And I do believe that the most valuable player on the field this year has been Aaron Rodgers. He's been a great quarterback, and, and I think that he deserves it 100%.
look, we we saw they the Packers take Jordan Love quarterback with their first round pick. I was incredibly incredibly angry about that. Just flabbergasted, didn't know what to think or say. But with hindsight bias being 2020, looking back, that wasn't a terrible move because the Aaron Rodgers we're seeing this year is one that has kind of been missing. He, we've been missing that Aaron Rodgers for a few yeah. years. Yes, his performance has been good. And he even said, and I agree with this, his down years are record years for some quarterbacks. But the Aaron Rodgers we've seen over the last two, three seasons has just been lackluster. So that competition sharpened his competitive edge. And whether it's uh, him proving the front office wrong and just trying to stick it to the front office or it's actually made him better, it doesn't really matter because they had some uh, a tight quarterback room. And he had to step up and be there and Rodgers, they knew he was. Yeah, I think I think it just made him a little bit mad, to be honest. I mean, he's playing like a, a pissed off quarterback right now who wants to make a statement. You're completely I, right. I about agree that. with that, yeah. But again, yesterday we threw up those Instagram polls, and the second one was was what about the Heisman? And and recording this on New Year's Eve, we, we were able to watch Kyle Trask play yesterday. And he did not receive many votes in this poll. Um, he received, I believe it was the third highest. No, he was fourth, actually, in this poll. He was, he was last. But I believe if we were able to give those voters one more chance, they would not be voting Kyle Traskill after what happened last night against Oklahoma, Colin. Look, let me tell you why. The Heisman should be much like the MVP. Your team wouldn't be the same without you. And what we saw from this, tech, or from this Florida team is yes, Kyle Trask was still there, but they were missing basically their entire first string of wide receivers and tight end, who they use as a wide receiver. They were missing their entire first string receivers, people who've been big impact players all year. If Kyle Trask can't do it with the backups, to me, that's not an MVP. That's not Heisman Trophy. I mean, tell me that's not what Aaron Rodgers – he lost He lost Lazar. He lost his other two biggest targets besides Devontae Adams for a little while there, and he was still able to put up numbers. He was not missing out at all. Exactly. If you can't do it with the, with the walk-ons, it doesn't matter what you're doing with the first string. If they sit out and you can't keep performing, to me, you're not the Heisman Trophy winner. And I see this continuously with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Dabo is the biggest depth guy I know. He subs in uh, freshmen. EJ Williams, all, all those guys, Joe Joe, later early in games, to be honest, when, when you don't expect them to be in there, and Trevor still performs just like he normally does. So now whether or not you want to say, oh, well, this was not the beginning of the game and they were already down, uh, or they are, Clemson was already winning and, and Trevor Lawrence was making no more impact than he already would, I, I disagree. I think Trevor Lawrence is way more of an MVP for Clemson than Kyle Trask is shown by last night. Um, but but then again, I do think that Trevor Lawrence should not be the Heisman. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get a lot of stick for that. I think Devontae Smith has been the MVP of college football this year, whether or not you want to say. I think uh, Trevor Lawrence has been the best player over his three years. I still think he's the best player in college football. But if you're just talking about this year, I think it's got to be Devontae Smith. I agree with you. I voted for Smith in the poll. I think he's just been – He's had the flash. He's been the guy this year to really make a name for himself. If he's gone at Alabama, it's not going to make much of a difference because that's the Alabama system. 
we saw what we and if you take it to Trevor, we saw in the Notre Dame game that he wasn't there. We lost in double overtime. Wasn't really. It As wasn't well really the, the game. It, there it wasn't well. really the offense's fault. DJ played his heart out, but when Trevor came back, having him there for the ACC championship game, you saw how Clemson handled business. So, for me, I see the argument, and I I agree with the argument that Trevor has a rightful claim to the Heisman. But this year, I think it is Devonta Smith that's going to take it. Now, I think I think the biggest joke about this whole, whole Heisman thing is I I cannot people people backing Mac Jones. It kind of it kind of seems like they're blind to me. Uh, Devonta Smith is the reason Mac Jones is there. I mean, there's no doubt about it to me. I don't think I think Mac Jones has talent. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback in whatever he does. But I don't think he's I don't even think he's a Heisman Trophy candidate without Devonta Smith there. I mean, Devonta Smith is the reason that Mac Jones is what he is. And that's why I think Devonta Smith should be the Heisman and Mac Jones should not. I think it should be between Trevor and uh, Devonta Smith just because they've been so instrumental in how those teams have played. Um, and you said that Alabama would 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 be the same team, and that might be true just because they have talent all around the ball. But Devonta Smith putting up the numbers he is with people like that around the ball, um, just lining up beside him like that, I think he's very deserving of the Heisman this year, and, and I think that he will win it. Um, he's the odds-on favorite, and I think it's well-deserved. You're right, and he still does put up points with all of the – or not points, well, points, but yardage and just crazy stats with all of that competition around him. He's, yep. he's earned his right as that number one guy at Alabama. But anyways, moving on from the Heisman, really we got the meat of our podcast today, the Clemson versus Ohio State game breakdown, 845, Sugar Bowl, New Orleans. We've had a tough go at it in New Orleans, but we haven't had a tough go at it against Ohio State, knock on wood. Well, yeah, Con, you, you bear a good point there. I, I want to preface this conversation that I think Clemson is the better team this year. Um, I think that weaknesses have appeared for both teams this year, um, and I think it hasn't really been fair to Ohio State to call out weaknesses because they haven't had as much time to, to, to file those weaknesses down and, and really – and really create a team over the number of games that Clemson has played. Um, but I do think Clemson is probably the better team. What do you think is the deciding factor in this game? What do you, what are you looking for? I've got a couple of deciding factors for both sides. I'll start with Ohio state first, then I'll move to Clemson. Ohio state has to get their team healthy. If they want a shot in this game, they have to be healthy. They can't go out like, like they did against Northwestern with their backups in and play a close first quarter, first half game with Northwestern. Because if they do that against us, we have the team that's going to put up 30 points in the first half and create quite the deficit to overcome. They have to get those guys healthy. And then the backups, they have to really sound up their game. Offensive-wise, you're not going to see much change from Ohio State, but defensive-wise, that's their question mark. And I got to say, the factors for Clemson is the exact same. We don't have any real injury report this week that's too unexpected. It seems like we've got all of our guys back on defense. We need a big game from the defensive line. 
get that pressure on Justin Fields, but contain him so he doesn't get loose. We need James Skowski to stay healthy, play a, play a solid game. I think that's going to be a big factor. And my X-factor player for this week is Trenton Simpson. I think mm. if he has a big game, he's an outside linebacker that's going to have to be able to cover. He's going to have to be able to hawk down Justin Fields when he rolls out of the pocket. If he has a big game, I think our defensive side of the ball is going to be A-OK. I think one thing that we got to look for is Trey Sermon. He had, what, 330 rush yards in the Northwestern game. So what's we, what have we been talking about all year? James Skalski and Tyler Davis. We have to have them, have to have them healthy, have to be able to stop the run. Because if you stop that run, I think we contain Justin Fields just fine. His, his throwing acumen has not been what it was uh, last year, especially against us. He was making all these crazy throws. He had his receivers making insane catches to start the game, really all throughout the game, to be honest. But I think if we are able to contain that run with Skalski and Tyler Davis, and as you said, Trenton Simpson's got to set that edge, make sure nobody gets outside. If we're able to do that, I think that we will be able to contain. I think our secondary has found, found a little bit of light. And, Colin, I want to I bring something up. Do you think Grant Venables ever during the regular season just kind of toys around with what he does? Because I swear we look like we are just making plays up on the defensive side of the ball or just, I don't know, playing a pickup football game. We're trying to cover people during the year. But then when it gets to these championship games, it looks like we knew exactly all along what we should be doing to stop these teams. So – I don't, I don't, I can't necessarily say that's true, but do you think that there is any chance that Brent Venables just plays around a little bit during the year, testing stuff out? You know, I've been watching football a long time. I've, this conversation has been brought up. And yes, I, I do think that he does toy around with, with the defense a little bit, kind of early on, beginning of the season, beginning of early in games, just not just, in the beginning of the season, but throughout the season, first quarter, second, early second quarter of a game, we'll toy around with the defense a little, give the team we're playing some odd looks. But if it's not working, he'll go back to what works. He will lock it down, step out of the science lab, walk right back onto the football field and put it all together and it does. It does work out well. We have seen Clemson. Clemson's defense has been a key, really, its key to success for so long. Mm -hmm. I think one more big thing that I want to mention on this defensive side of the ball for Clemson is you got to keep them to three points in the red zone. We did that last year. It really kept us in the game, uh, especially in the first half when they could have run away with it. They only made it sixteen nothing. It could have been way, way worse. Um, but but if you're not able to keep them out of the end zone, those red zone trips that Ohio State is going to have, then, then it's going to be a long day for uh, Clemson on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but one thing we cannot go without mentioning, uh, moving to the other side of the ball for Clemson, is, is, is Tony Elliott being not a player on the injury report, but he is our main my main injury report, I guess you could say, being, being out with COVID for this game. Brandon Streeter is going to be calling the plays. I don't know how much that affects the game, Colin. I, I think – all these coaches really work together and they're play calling and they all know what's going on. Kind of like we work together with depth all year just to build that. But what do you, what are you thinking is going to happen with this, with Tony Elliott being out and Brandon Street calling the plays? It's a hard, it's a hard call always trying to guess what's going to happen. It's a different guy. We've never seen him call plays before. So you always want to say, well, he's going to call a different game. It's going to be weird. It's like, it's going to be a different playbook. We've seen this 
throughout the years here at Clemson, Dabo Sweeney has turned this into a next man up, not just on the football field, but in the coach's office as well. I think Brandon Streeter is going to come out. He's going to – he's played quarterback for Clemson before. He's played the game. He knows the game. He's going to come out. He's going to follow the recipe that we've been cooking with for a long time. And he's going to call a good game. It's going to be a pretty standard game that we're used to seeing from Clemson. Will we see a little trickery when needed? You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We haven't seen a lot of trickery from Clemson in a while. It would be interesting to see if Brandon Streeter makes that call while he's got the while he's got the coordinator coordinator name tag on his on his resume. I don't know if it's going to happen though. I think one of the things that make me most excited is I saw that CJ Spiller is going to be handling the running backs this this game on the field and and I'm sure he's instrumental all year in this but I know Travis Etienne makes all these crazy plays but CJ Spiller just had that edge to him when he was here do you think we see some CJ Spiller magic and Travis Etienne come out this weekend I hope so I really hope so I remember as a kid watching CJ Spiller idolizing him he was just electric anytime he got the ball you knew it was it could be a big play you see the things in Travis and you're like, how can he get better than this? And in my opinion, nobody will ever compare to CJ Spiller. He just gives, gives me chills thinking about it. Gives me chills watching him, watching his old highlights. I mean, just an animal off the field and a phenomenal guy or on the field and a phenomenal guy off the field. Yeah, of course. Of course. I, I mean, Travis is always one tackle or one broken tackle away from breaking it. 90 yards down the, down the sideline. He did that against Notre Dame, and I'm hoping we can get that run game going again, open up the passing lanes for, for Trevor to cover the Ohio State's defense. But any more big keys to the game, or are we ready to move into the bowl mania? You know, I want to say this real quick before we move on. We've ta we talked a ton about Ohio State's run game, Justin Fields' scrambling ability. We can't discredit the fact that he can throw the ball pretty dang good, mm -hmm. and their wide receivers are pretty darn fast. They can get downfield before you blink and they're wide open and you're like, well, how did that happen? Where did they go? So we can't discredit the pass game. If our DBs play how they've been playing, I think we'll be all right. Uh, just to me, the biggest factor is stopping that run because that's what, that was the biggest factor when we played Notre Dame both times. The first time we didn't stop the run and they beat us. The second time we shut them, shut it down, shut them down. After that first drive. Yeah. And we handled business like we should have handled business. So I think stopping the run game is our biggest factor here. Yeah, Colin, you mentioned Justin Fields being able to, to throw the ball pretty dang well. And I think we saw Malcolm Green really step up in our secondary last week against Notre Dame. I think he's going to have to do the same exact thing this week. If he's able to step up and make some plays on the outside, just like Trent Simpson, you got to set that edge. If he's able to step, step up and make some plays, shut down the wide receiver, shut down the wide receivers uh, and, and really uh, give some time to our – to our uh, defensive line and bring those blitzes that Trent, uh, Brent, Brent likes to bring, um, I think we'll be okay on the defensive side of the ball. But Colin, I think we want to move into the bowl mania for this week. Um, we had we had some interesting games last week, but none of the big bowls that you would really, really, really look forward to watching other than that Cotton Bowl and it turned out to be a bad game between Florida and Oklahoma. But I think the first game we want to move into is the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl um, with the only group of five team that was able to make 
or was only granted a New Year's Six um, invite, and that's Cincinnati, and they are playing the Georgia Bulldogs. Colin, what do you foresee happening here? You know, we've got a 9-0 undefeated Cincinnati team and a 7-2 Georgia team. Georgia's picked up a lot of momentum here at the end of the season. JT Daniels, got really JT Daniels back. They really lost their games earlier on in the season. I've got Georgia in this game. I've got Georgia handling business as much as I hate to say it. I think they're going to go play, leave, and it's going to, that's pretty much going to be the whole storyline. I don't think anything crazy is going to happen. I think Georgia's just going to handle business and rock their world. Yeah, I think JT Daniels being being able to build that momentum over the latter part of the season um, is really going to help Georgia here. I think they're going to come out firing. Um, I don't think Cincinnati's going to be able to keep up. I hope it's a close game, but I think Georgia's going to handle business and, 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 establish what we know as the SEC and, and, and these uh, uh, New Year's Six Bowls where the group of five plays. Yeah, so the next bowl, we got the Verbo Citrus Bowl um, between Northwestern and Auburn. Colin, I don't see many people watching this game as it's kind of sandwiched in between our Peach Bowl and our uh, new, uh, playoff games later that day. But, but what do you see happening here? We've got a 6-2 and two Northwestern team and a 6-4 and four Auburn team. But the Northwestern played Ohio State pretty close for a good chunk of the game in that conference championship game. I like Northwestern in this matchup. I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. Auburn's without a head coach right now. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Northwestern's going to win it in a close one, though. I'm probably going to be coin flipping this one all the way to 1 p.m. tomorrow on who to pick. Right now I have Auburn picked. I'm not even confident in that at all. I don't know why I have Auburn picked, especially without a coach, because sometimes without a coach it frees up the system a little bit better and teams are starting – are able to find a little bit of offense that has not been there for Auburn in the past couple of years. So right now I have Auburn, but but don't take that with any heart or, or any or any confidence there. Um, our our next bowl, we're going to move into the January second bowls. We're going to come back to our playoff predictions at the end of our show. The first bowl on January second, we got the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl between a couple a couple of foes near each other, NC State and Kentucky. Colin, what do you think is happening here? I'm taking NC State. Kentucky hasn't been relevant ever. They won't be relevant ever. Hey, they beat South Carolina five years in a row. Gosh, good for them. That's such a big accomplishment. But, you know, I'm sticking with NC State, eight and three. I'm going to ride with it. Yeah, Kentucky shouldn't have a bowl bed. Um, I think NC State's going to be able to be able to find a way to win this game between two pretty bad teams. So I'm going to take NC State in hopes that they win and, and hopes the ACC can get a win over an SEC team here. Um, Moving into our next bowl, we got the Outback Bowl. This one's always a good one. You get the Bloomin' Onion, hopefully. Uh, we got Indiana. We got Ole Miss, the Air Raid Ole Miss. Um, what do you think is going to happen? You know, every time I've picked a team against an SEC team that has a losing record, I have been wrong in that prediction. However, I'm going to live by the sword, die by the sword. I'm sticking with Indiana. They're 6-1. and one. They should beat Ole Miss. I think Indiana's defense is better than most people think. Um, I think they had a, a crappy start to that Ohio State game that really put them behind the eight ball there, and they weren't able to overcome that lead, um, that, that ginormous lead. But I think Indiana's going to be able to pull this one out and, and beat Ole Miss, who also should not be in a bowl game. Um, but 2020 is 2020. This is 2021, though. I think Indiana's going to be able to pull it out, um, and hopefully they do. All right, next we got the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Moving back into our New Year's Six Bowls later that day, we got Iowa State playing Oregon. This is the real thriller uh, between a Pac-12 and a Big 12 team. Who do you think? You know, Oregon handled business in that 
Pac-12 championship game. Surprised me, that's for sure. But I'm going to stick with Iowa State. They're eight and three. They've proven themselves more over this season. I'm going to ride with Iowa State on this one. You know, I thought Iowa State was going to beat Oklahoma in that Big 12 championship game. They weren't able to get it done, but Oklahoma may be a little bit better than we thought they were. Um, and I, I think the same thing's going to happen here. I think Iowa State's going to be able to handle business, kind of shut down Oregon. I don't think Oregon has a high enough powered offense to to give Iowa State the trouble. Now, I know we're talking about Big 12 defenses here. Iowa State being able to stop somebody. But I think Iowa State's going to be able to, 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 to close this one out in double-digit fashion. I think Iowa State's the better team here, um, Oregon. I think they're kind of there by fluke. They shouldn't have been there in the first place in, the, in, their, in their championship game. So we'll see what happens there. But moving into a little more intriguing New Year's Six Bowl, we got the Capital One Orange Bowl between a pissed-off Texas A&M team who thinks they should be in the playoffs versus an ACC uh, contender, but not really ever there, North Carolina, Colin. A good old ACC-SEC matchup. You love to see it. You know, this is a UNC team that has a lot of weapons. Sam Howell's good. Their running back's good. Their wide receiver one is really good. But Texas A&M only lost one game this year, and they got handled by Alabama, the number one team in the country. So I'm taking Texas A&M on this one. I think Texas A&M, that – being pissed off is going to be that X factor that pushes them over the edge. I think they're going to they're going to win. I think it's going to be a high scoring game, but I think at the end of the day, Texas A&M is going to come out on top. I'm going to have to differ from you there. I think North Carolina is going to be able to pull this one out simply for the fact that I don't think Texas A&M wants to be there. Yeah, you can say Texas A&M is mad and they'll play mad, um, but I think that they're going to be so ticked that they aren't there in the playoffs that they're not going to care about this game. And I think North Carolina wants to win this one, prove themselves a little bit more and finish off their season, which has really, really been a respectable year for them. And I think Sam Howell is going to want to go out on top here, and hopefully we can see North Carolina get the job done against the Aggies. But, Colin, now we move into the, the big ones, the, the playoff games, the ones that are polls on Instagram did not show much wavering for the top two teams. Am I right? Yeah, so we have our polls responded 93% picking Clemson and 91% picking Bama. And I've got to say, I don't differ from that opinion. I think Clemson it should be the favorite in that game, and I think Bama should be the favorite in their game as well. Well, I think that the Clemson game would have saw a little bit more uh, varying if we didn't have such a Clemson following. But, yeah, that's true. but then again, I do think Clemson is probably the better team. Um, I'm not surprised at all by the Alabama being 91% uh, of votes there. 20 and a half point favorites. I think Alabama is going to, unless Notre Dame is able to find a way to, 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 to speed the game up along the lines of being able to run the clock out faster, establish a run game, and keep Alabama off the field, even though Alabama doesn't need a whole bunch of time to score. I think Notre Dame is going to be able to find, uh, find a way at the beginning of the game, but I think Alabama runs away late. Uh, and, and dominant fashion. I think we find them in, in, in the national championship against Clemson. I'm going with Clemson as well. Um, I don't want to say that Clemson is going to be double-digit double favorites. It worked well last time. But Colin, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm taking Alabama as well. I think Alabama is going to handle business. They're going to beat Notre Dame by just as much, if not more, than when how we beat them. But moving into this Ohio State-Clemson game, I said Clemson was a 17-point favorite, 
against Notre Dame. That was a pretty big, pretty big statement there. And Clemson came out and proved me right and proved me right even more. But this is a different game. Ohio State's a very different team than Notre Dame is. Ohio State has the playmakers that can score fast. They can they can make your dream a nightmare in two blinks. I'm taking Clemson in this game. I like it. I'm confident in it. But I'm going to say Clemson by five. All right, Clemson by five. All right, I think that's a, that's a fair number. I was going to say Clemson by three. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of in this Clemson game, I'm thinking like a 35-31 game, 37-34, somewhere around that, that tally. I think they're going to be points in this game. I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring than last year. Um, I don't think the defenses are as sound as they were last year. Both teams lost a lot on that side of the ball. And I think the quarterbacks can be able to find points for, for their teams. Um, and I know that the college national championship, we have predicted Alabama and Clemson, but I think we're going to have to save that for when we know who the teams are in that game. We'll talk about it next week. Is that we'll right? talk about it next year, that's for sure. Next year, yes, sir. Well, we want to thank you all for listening to this episode. Um, I do want to say one thing. I know we have some very, very big things coming on this podcast. And I think we're going to save the announcements for, for a little while later once we get out of this this playoff frenzy, this new year frenzy. Um, but, but we got some big things coming in the new year. We're looking forward to growing. Yeah, big things coming after this football season wraps up. We've got some big things coming for – for the spring sports it's we're excited hopefully you guys enjoy it we'll announce it later and we thank you for listening happy new year stay safe see you next year happy new year